The house was one of the best in Belisere, high on the eastern slope of Besshill. It boasted five floors, each with a broad balcony facing east, and on top there was a pleasant roof garden, which delivered a view over the lesser houses on the slope below, and passed them across the red roofs of the buildings that clustered closely on the valley floor on either side of the winter road. Beyond the houses was the seven-tiered Great Eastern Aqueduct, and its lesser companion, the city wall. The eastern wall had its feet almost in the water. Beyond it lay the glittering expanse of the Sea of Sare, now dotted with those slower, straggling fishing boats that were coming late to Fish Harbour, hours after the rest of the fleet had returned to unload their catch with the dawn. Clariel stood at the intricately carved marble railing on the edge of the roof garden, with the sun on her face, and the cool sea breeze ruffling her shorn-at-the-neck jet-black hair, and wondered why she couldn't like the view, the house, or indeed the whole city of Belisere. She was seventeen years old, two months shy of being eighteen, and up until their arrival in the city three days before, had lived her entire life in the much smaller town of Estwale, in the far northwest of the Old Kingdom, and more important to her in recent years, in and about the great forest that surrounded Estwale. But Estwale and the great forest had been left behind, despite Clariel's entreaties to her parents. She'd asked to remain, to become a borderer, one of the wardens who patrolled the forests and woods of the kingdom. But her parents refused, and anyway the borderers did not recruit youths, as Sergeant Penrith in Estwale had told Clariel numerous times, though always, with a matter-of-fact kindness, for they were long acquaintances, if not friends. Nor would her parents accept any of her various other reasons for being allowed to stay behind. Typically, Clariel's mother, Jasiel, had simply ignored her daughter's request, refusing to even discuss the matter. Jessiel's mind was rarely focused on her family. A goldsmith of rare talent, all her attention was typically on whatever beautiful gold or silver object she was currently making, or on the one that was taking shape in her head. Harvin, Clariel's father and manager of all practical matters in their family life, had patiently explained to his daughter that besides being too young to join the borderers, it was very likely that in a year she would not want to anyway. He had then added insult to injury by telling Clariel the move to Belisere was as much for her benefit as it was for her mother, who had been accorded the honour of being invited to join the High Guild of Goldsmiths in the capital. There would be many more opportunities for her in Belisere, Clariel had been told repeatedly. She could be apprenticed herself straight into a High Guild or one of the great companies. There might be a business the family could buy for her, or she might make an advantageous marriage. But none of these opportunities interested Clariel, and she knew they never would have left Estwell just for her benefit. Any advantage she might receive would be entirely incidental to her mother's desire for a much larger workshop, a greater variety of better metals, gems, and other materials to work with, and an increased labour force, doubtlessly including at least half a dozen more pimply apprentices who would try to look down the front of Clariel's dress at dinner. A meaningful cough behind her made Clariel turn around. Her father smiled at her, the weak smile that she knew was a harbinger of bad news. It had made frequent appearances in the last few months, the smile. When people first met Harvin, they would think him strong until his mouth turned up. He had a weak, giving-in smile. 
He was a goldsmith too, but was not particularly gifted in the actual craft. He was much better at managing the business of his wife's work. "'Have you come to tell me that by some stroke of good fortune I am to be allowed to go home?' asked Clariel. "'This is our home now,' said Harvin. "'It doesn't feel like it,' said Clariel. She looked over the railing again, across all the white stone buildings with their red-tiled roofs, and then back again at the ornamental shrubs in the terracotta boxes that made up their own roof-garden, shrubs with pale bark and small, weak-looking yellow leaves. "'There is nothing green here. I haven't seen a single proper tree. Everything is ordered and tamed and put between walls. And there are too many people.' "'There are lots of big trees in the gardens on Palace Hill,' said Harvin. "'We just can't see them from here.' Clariel nodded glumly. A few trees too distant to be seen, across miles and miles of houses and workshops and other buildings, and thousands and thousands of people, rather proved her point, she thought. 